we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. We're celebrating this morning. God has a history. Do you know that? He has a history, and it's laid out in this book right here. His works are laid out in that book right there. His word to follow is laid out in this book. We have now, thank you to Brother Bill Sipple and uh, the Wakemans and the Gibsons and um, Jody and probably a few others that were working on our church history board. You may have seen it in the hallway there. That's part of it. We got a lot more to come, but um, that's the first uh, installment of it. And um, you may find yourself in those pictures, so be prepared to laugh. (laughs) But the reason that we're doing that is to show how God has been faithful to this church through the years, 40 years. And you'll see on there a picture of a small little trailer, dumpy old looking trailer. And that's what we were living in, and that's where our church started, 1982. Can you believe that? 1982. And as many of you have heard before, we moved to different houses, and we had house churches for a couple of years. And we met together, and while we were meeting together, the church continued to grow. The people continued to grow. And then we started meeting over next door at the farmhouse, and we met there for a while. And then someone donated this plot of land, and we began to build. And you can see through the years God's faithfulness and how people began to invest their time and their talents in the kingdom of God in putting their faith to work. And they were also investing their finances in the building of the project. And the project was in three phases, and you can see the phases. They're listed on there, and, but you can just see God's hand in each and every one of them. And so come today, some dozens of years later, here we sit in this beautiful sanctuary. We've got plenty of room. We have just about everything that we need. God has provided, and we are debt-free. Praise His name. Praise His name. And so you can, uh, after the service, if you would like, go ahead and take a look at those things. It's, it's really interesting to see what God is doing. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 54. Now, I want to just... Without taking too much time, I want to go ahead and set up what is going on here just before the death of the Savior. Verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and he put it on a staff and he offered it up to Jesus to drink. The rest of them said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened... They were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. Now there's some certain things here that take place after, after the death of Jesus. So I want to just kind of chronicle those things, all right? So this is after Jesus breathes his last, what happens from that moment? forward. In verse 51, we see at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now in the temple, the temple was the center of Jewish life. Okay. The curtain of the temple was what separated the outside from the inner courts, if you will, from the holiest of holies. And only certain people were allowed to go into this holy of holies. All right? Because if they were not ceremonially clean and prepared to enter into this holy place, they would have to be dragged out. All right? Because the holiness of God, when it comes face to face with their sin, would kill them. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So they would have to go through preparations, preparing themselves, preparing their hearts, their spirits, and so on and so forth, their bodies, to enter into this place, the most holy of holies, where, where God's spirit was uh, to dwell, if you will. All right? Now, this curtain was huge, and it was big, and it was heavy. But it separated the outer place from the inner holy of holies. And these priests that would go in to the Holy of Holies, they would have to have a rope tied around their waist just in case. Just in case they were not ceremonially clean. They would have to be dragged out. Think about that. All right? So now, now listen. After Jesus breathes his last, the curtain of the temple was torn in two... After an earthquake happened. Now, what? there is some serious signifying going on here. There is symbolizing going on. This is saying that we can now freely enter into the most holy of place, the place where God dwells. We can enter into God's presence. Okay? That anyone can have access to God. 
Do you see what that's saying? And it was believed back then. And if you miss out on this understanding, then you're going to miss out on the message. And back then it was believed that only the Jews were going to go to heaven. And that's what the Jews believed. And so Jesus here is, there's some big, big things happening here. And so in the eyes of the Jewish people, they're like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? All right. And even the Roman centurions recognized after all these things that happened and they exclaimed, surely this was the son of God. So all of these people that are experiencing this are understanding what this is go- what's going on here. So now where we once were separated from God's presence, no more. We can all have access to God's presence. Isn't that awesome? Next, the earth shook, the rocks split. All right? So not only did the ground shake, rocks were breaking open, and the earth was breaking open. Not only was the earth breaking open, but what else? Tombs were breaking open. That's a little bit freaky, but it happened. Not just any tombs, but the tombs of holy people. The tombs of holy people were breaking open. The centurions, when they saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed to each other, surely this was the Son of God. There's a lot going on here, friends. Let's keep reading from verse 55. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had allowed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. They had followed Jesus from Galilee. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And they buried Jesus in a tomb that was not his own. Joseph of Arimathea, had offered for Jesus' body to be laid in his own tomb. They placed guards over the tomb so that no one could go near it. Let's, let's turn to Matthew 28, and let's, I just want to read through that scripture. The Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, here's another one. There was another, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. He sat on this big old stone. Now, I've seen one of these big old stones. They're about as tall as I am and they're about this thick and they weigh several hundred pounds. And... In these tombs, just outside of them is a gutter that's as wide as, or just wider than these stones, and it would hold the stone in its place, and the stone would roll in that gutter just along the wall outside of the tomb. And so people would roll the tomb in its place, and they would shove shims and whatnot rocks underneath it and to prevent it from rolling away. 
These things are massive. His appearance in verse 3 was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. This is in regards to the angel that had come down from heaven, rolled the stone away, and sat on it. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for who? Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, the place where he lay. Come and see the place where he lay. Excuse me. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now, listen. They had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They had given up everything to follow him. Family, livelihood, all of it. To follow Jesus. Okay? Now, think about this. Jesus was beaten up. He was mocked. He was whipped almost beyond recognition. He was yanked through a fake trial that was meant to convict him as a criminal. And he was crucified before their very eyes. And they're helpless to do anything about it. And so now he's been crucified. He's breathed his last. He is dead. They've laid him in a tomb, the tomb that he, he, Jesus did not own himself, somebody else's tomb. They sealed the tomb with the, the stone. Now, Jesus had said all of these things were going to happen. And so now, his disciples are seeing these things come true before their very eyes. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. <laughs> this is the one that was crucified, died, and laid in the tomb. Yes, the very same one. Jesus met them, and he says to them, Greetings! They came to him, and they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So not only has Jesus shown himself to these ladies who came to find him, but he's telling them, Go, tell my disciples. He's telling them the same thing the angel told them. Go tell my disciples, go into Galilee. I'm going to meet them. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and they stole him away while we were sleeping. So the priests devised a plan to conceal the resurrection. Do you understand? And so they told these guards, here's the lie that you're going to tell people. 
If this report gets to the governor that they had fallen asleep and that his disciples came and stole the body, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And so the story was circulated that the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, verse 16, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he leaves them with this promise. And he says, surely I am with you even to the very end of the age. Now, we talked about some of the things that happened after Christ Jesus breathed his last. Let's talk about some of the things that happened after the resurrection. One of the first things that we see is there was a violent earthquake as the angel had come down from heaven, right? We see that the angel goes to the tomb, the angel rolls back the stone, and the angel sits on it. To me, that, that is a sign of authority, you know? Like this, the enemy, can you imagine Satan after Jesus died? He's like, oh my God, finally, this guy is out of my hair. I ain't got to worry about him anymore. Psych! <laughs> Not true. An angel from heaven goes to the tomb and he rolls back a stone and he sits on it, in a sense, saying, It's not the end. It's not the end. Not even death has hold over Jesus. Do you see the message that is being spoken? about the power and the authority of Christ the Lord. Not even death can keep him down. The greatest, most powerful thing in all of the world, death. None of us escape it. So not even death is more powerful. God is the Almighty. He is the one that's in charge, not Satan, not death, not anything else. God sent his son to be a sacrifice for you and for uh, for me, for the sins that we have committed against God and each other. What were some other things? So the, the angel sits on the on the stone, and it says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. So he's like glowing. He's glowing with this like lightning sort of appearance. It says the guards shook, and then the guards passed out. They became as dead men, the Bible says. They passed out. And then the angel speaks. Do you notice whenever heavenly beings speak it's always starts with do not be afraid there's probably really good reason for that think about it 
Don't be afraid. He says, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. I wonder if he left a space right there. He's not here. Well, what do you mean he's not here? We laid him here ourselves. We saw him. What do you mean he's not? Oh, he's risen. (laughs) Just as he said he would do. He's not here. He's risen. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. Hmm. There's no powerful. No, nothing more powerful. The women run and they go to tell his disciples what they had seen, what had happened. They're still not sure themselves what's going on. Right? But they've been told twice now by the angel and by Jesus himself. Go, tell my disciples to go to Galilee. When they get there, I'm going to meet them there. The women clasp Jesus' feet and they worship him. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, but go tell my brothers that I will see them in Galilee. Now listen, if we go back to chapter 27 in verse 53, if you want to just turn back there, 2753. Now, we're talking about things that had happened after the resurrection. Now, listen to this. I'm going to start in 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Think about that. Because... Jesus had died. Now listen, it goes on. The bodies of holy people who had died were raised to life. And then 53, they came out of the tombs after what? The resurrection. Jesus' resurrection. They came out of the tombs and they went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. What? What are you talking about here? Is this sort of some paranormal existence sort of thing? I don't know. But I know that it was because of what had happened. Because of the death of Jesus, and even more so, the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection. And all these things are just so powerful. Even the earth itself is recognizing what has just happened and the earth is shaking and the rocks are splitting and all of the tombs some of the tombs of many holy people who had died are now broken open and these people are now living that's some freaky stuff (laughs) yeah come on that's some freaky stuff but all of these things are making people recognize and understand the Almighty God is in control here, nothing else. God is in control. And recognize who it is that you just put to death. Recognize this son of mine that you just crucified. Um, The guards go to the city to report to the chief priests what happened. Can you imagine the chief priests hearing from the guards who were put in charge to guard the tomb? 
Well, um, we got some good news. We got some bad news. We don't have to move the stone anymore. <laughs> but that guy that you guys killed, he ain't there no more. He gone. He's not there. What do you mean he's not there? Did you fall asleep? No, we did not fall asleep. We were awake the whole night, the whole time. And so the priests devise a plan to fool everyone, and they say, this is what you're going to say, guards. Here's your story, and you need to stick to it. His disciples came, we fell asleep, they came and they stole the body. They moved the stone, which we were leaning against, and we, they stole the body out, and we don't know where, yeah. Okay? And they spread this story to cover themselves. Next, the disciples, they go to, to Galilee, where they meet Jesus. And he appears to them. And they worship him. But there are some that doubt. Do you remember who doubted? Yeah, Thomas. Old Thomas. I think many of us would have been in Thomas's shoes had we been there. I'm not going to believe that, Jesus, you rose from the, from the grave unless I see the nails, the holes in your hands where they went through. I'm not going to believe until I see the place where the spear entered your side. And then Jesus appears to them again. And he says, Thomas, put your fingers where the nails were. Put your hand in my side where the spear was. Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Maybe there are some of you here today who are doubters. That's cool. It's all right. God understands that. And he, he responds to you the same way that he responds to Thomas, in love and proof. <laughs> look, he says, look. Now, stop doubting and believe. Stop it. Sometimes our parents will tell us when we're doing things that are not good for us. Stop it. <laughs> Jesus said that to Thomas. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. God is speaking to you today. Stop doubting, friends. It's time to believe. You've been doubting all of your life. It's time to stop doubting. And it's time to believe. I wonder, what is the significance of the resurrection? And if we focus on this, there's really the answer is, is limited that we can give. Well, the answer is this, okay? And then... But sometimes that's hard to understand. Why is the resurrection part of it so important? 
Okay? So we need to, it's important that we as believers, that we as the body of Christ, that we understand this very clearly. All right? And sometimes it's easier to look at it from a different angle to help us understand better. And so let's look at it this way. If the resurrection had never occurred, let's go at it from that angle. Okay? So think about it. If the resurrection never occurred, if there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're going to list a few things here. Jesus remains in the tomb and his body decays. Okay? If there's no resurrection, the hope of our salvation dies in that tomb with Jesus. You understand? If there is no resurrection, Jesus is not the Son of God, as he said. And as God said. If there is no resurrection, then Jesus is an ordinary man. If there's no resurrection, Jesus then has no power to take away our sin. If there is no resurrection, our sin remains and our souls are hopelessly lost in sin forever and ever. Hopeless. If there is no resurrection, 400 prophecies regarding the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ go unfulfilled. 400 scriptures. Thus, making a mockery of the Old Testament altogether. If there is no resurrection, God's plan to save the world epically fails. Wow. Will you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53? If you will permit me, I want to just read through this. I I must have read through this a half a dozen times last night. I just couldn't stop it. It was speaking to my soul every time I read it. And I want to read it to you. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Now, this is speaking directly of Jesus Christ. All right? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in appearance that we should desire him. So he was not exceptionally strong. He was not exceptionally beautiful or tall or, or anything that would just draw attention to him. Savage, humanly speaking. In verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. And here, friends, 
Listen to this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. What was that? The crucifixion. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. Now listen to this. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The Lord has, God has laid on Jesus our sin. Ouch. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep, as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It's talking about when he came before Pilate. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. The fake trial. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. He didn't have a grave of his own. And with the rich in his death. And though he had done no violence... Nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, you see that? Don't miss that. God made Jesus' life an offering for sin. Jesus took our sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his day. Who are his offspring if Jesus died? All right? If, if Jesus never had children, who are his children? If we believe and we receive, yes. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He'll be caught up to, to heaven. By his knowledge or knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many people. So the rest of us are justified because of Christ's suffering and death. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, the sinners, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In Mark chapter 10, and I'll close with this. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, though he was a king. But he came to serve. And to what? To give his life as a ransom for many. When there is a ransom, friends, a, a, something is paid to buy back what was taken. Do you understand? You and I have been bought 
with a price, the price of the Son of God on the cross. Your sins and mine are forgiven because of what Christ Jesus did on the cross. And when he rose again, he was making the statement that not even death has power over me. And thus saying, I have power over your sins. 